Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Brent Bowers. He is an investor and coach focusing on buying and selling vacant land. As an army officer with over eight years of service, Brent was spending a great deal of time away from his family, and he knew he needed to make some changes to be more present with his wife and children. Brent decided to expand his business and hire a team. While Brent invests in many real estate types, his favorite investment strategy is buying and selling vacant land, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So thank you so much for being on the show today, Brent. So it's great. Uh, you have a very interesting story. Can you give us a little bit more of your background, both uh, personally and professionally, prior to getting involved in real estate? Yeah, prior to real estate. Boy, um, I, I really got started in 2007. Uh, I graduated high school in 2004. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've, I've always wanted to sell stuff. I, I built a lawn business. I actually borrowed the neighbor's lawn push mower when I was in like middle school. And I was mowing other people's grass with it. Now, to their knowledge, they allowed me to do it. And uh, built a pretty decent sized business and then jumped into real estate in about 2007 and uh, really kind of like just struggled uh, until about 2009 and I quit. And then I, I joined the military and I was extremely humbled. I was in the military till about 2018. Um, I was haphazardly doing some you know real estate deals throughout the military and was wholesaling houses and uh, buying rental properties. And those are all single family homes, but these, these weren't the best properties. And I was doing a lot of evictions, a lot of maintenance, a lot of repairs. And I was like, how do people ever make money in this business? And, you know, I was searching for, pod, for, for answers on podcasts just like this. And I found a guy talking about vacant raw land. And I was like, no one ever talks about this. Yeah. And uh, I, took, I took immediate action that evening. Awesome. So um, bringing you into real estate in 07 and then back in, I guess, in like, uh, you know, 10 years ago or so, um, over that time that you were in the Army, can you tell us what, you know, what drew you back to real estate or into real estate both those times? You know, I just knew that people made a bunch of money in real estate and I've always had an attraction to it. I don't know where the initial tr attraction came from. You know, I used to read Donald, Donald Trump books when I was in like, you know, high school. So... Maybe it was from that. I don't know. Everyone says rich dad, poor dad. I, I don't give him credit whatsoever. Um, great book, by the way. But, uh, you know, that's not where it came from. But I, I, I swear if I had like a $5 for every time someone said rich dad, poor dad, uh, that would be awesome. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I love, you know, finding one man's trash and turning it into another person's treasure. No, that's great. Yeah, my, I think my first real estate book I read was Art of the Deal by Trump, like in the late 90s. You're kidding so, me. I think that yeah. was mine too. It was, I, I saw the book yeah. over here. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. I, uh, he signed book. another book like in 2000 to me or something because was, it, was, it was pretty great back in the day. But it was, it was such a great book. I mean, you got anybody interested in real If you didn't read that and want to get into real estate. Um, so I don't credit, I don't credit Rich Dad Poor Dad. That was like down the road more. But like I read that and I was like, oh my God, like real estate development is like, this, is, this guy's got it like all planned out here. But um, so you were, you know, you were switching um, from going from homes to land investing. Obviously, you're having issues with, I, it sounds like you were investing in some poorer properties. Is, I mean, is that one of the main reasons why you switched to land was no tenants? 
Yeah, and no one else was doing it. You know, I'm from Okeechobee, Florida. The the biggest producer of income in the county I grew up in is feeder calves, you know, cows. And I know I know about the herd mentality. Eventually the herd will get slaughtered. So one thing I, I found is like when you follow the direction of everyone, you're usually going down the wrong path. Um, and no one was talking about land. No one. I wasn't even looking at land. And I, I, I know why I wasn't looking at it. I was driving by it every day. You know, I always wanted to own land, but I never knew how to pay for land or how it would make me money. And most people don't either. How I'm making money with it is I'm buying it for, for cheap and selling it for more and preferably on payments because that gives me my passive income, the seller financing deals. And, you know, it's just, and it just turned into something great. You know, I, it immediately, I, I was immediately profitable and forever profitable on land deals. My first house that I bought, I was never profitable from 2007 all the way to 2019 when I sold that stinking thing. I still wasn't profitable. Yeah, it's difficult with smaller, like single family houses. You really have to buy for pennies on the dollar to make money. It's very difficult. Um, and it's very expensive too when you're having the turnover. But so let's jump into your land investing strategy. Like what type of properties are you targeting? Like what have you narrowed your focus down to that have been most beneficial for you? Yeah, nine out of 10 of my deals lately in the past two years have been, you know, we call them infill buildable lots, like, you know, lots that uh, are, are on a road that have some sort of utilities running to it, whether it be electric and water. Uh, and, and, and I hate to say just electric and water because there's a lot of lots that we buy that don't have electric or water where, where you have to drill a well, bring in the power. Um, but those generally I have to get for a little bit less money, you know, even, even bigger discount. Because when I love about, about land, when I'm, when I'm not sure about something, when I'm like, okay, I'm not like, I'm not sure exactly what this is going to sell for. That means I have to be even more conservative, getting even bigger discounts, a bigger, bigger hedge of protection. So I would say most of my lots have, are just simple cookie cutter lots. They're in a neighborhood or they're just on the outskirts of town. Like they're five acre parcels or the one acre parcels. Uh, just super simple stuff. I'm not doing a bunch of entitlements or subdivides or putting in roads. None of that stuff. That's too much work. So when you're dealing with infill, uh, infill, lights, infill lots, I feel that um, you know that's going to be a little bit more competitive at all with developers looking to buy, build on those. I mean, how are you finding good land deals and motivated sellers so that it pencils for you? Yeah, and I don't think the competitors are my. Com I'm sorry, I don't think the uh, developers or the builders are my competition. They're my buyers. You know, they're my gravy train. Like, what do builders do? They need stuff to build on, and they build. They don't have. Uh, the marketing programs that I've been able to build to get me land deals in my inbox, in my email. Um, and, and I'm a, what I call is an order taker. Basically, they tell me what they're looking for and I go and fill the orders. Uh, it's like, welcome to McDonald's. What would you like? <laughs> type thing. Um, so, you know, as far as those cookie cutter lots, yeah, there might be other people looking to, to buy those as well, especially in the areas of like, like Florida, where there's a ton of demand, certain neighborhoods. Yeah, you've got a, you've got competition in those areas. Um, but the way I look at it is, you know, success leaves clues. There's a reason yeah. why people are buying and selling land in those areas too. Right, right. What do you do you use on a nationwide basis? Have you, or are you in certain states? Uh, yes, uh, I, pr I really like to focus in Florida. 
mm-hmm. um, and Georgia and Alabama and, and North Carolina, those like the Southeast. I really start, I started this in Colorado and then expanded into Arizona and then to Florida, now where I currently live. Um, but, you know, I'll buy land anywhere that I can get a smoking hot deal on because, you know, I love to be in about a 50% range. Like right now, I'm looking at a bigger parcel. Um, than what I usually buy. I'm looking at 309 acres in Florida. Well, the land is selling for about 16,000 an acre average per acre, and I'm getting it for 8,000 an acre. There is such a room for error in that. Like there's such a margin of safety, like, like Warren Buffett talks about, you know, I'm buying it at like 50 cents on the dollar. You know, a lot of things could go wrong with that, but there's so much room for error as well. So my next question is, how do you determine the value? I mean, how do, how do you determine the value to put an offer in where, I mean, it's not in complete left field, you know, where you are going to have a, somebody that wants to sell to you? Yeah. When I first started out, I had no clue. I was just like sitting, I was looking at the assessed value and I was offering 10% or no, 50% of the assessed value, which turned out to be about 10% of the market value. And not all counties work like that. There's over 3,300 counties in the United States. That's why another reason why we virtually have no competition in this business, because Every county is different. It's not like cookie cutter houses, three bedroom, two bath, one car garage. Um, but I had no clue in the beginning. But now I, we have free resources. We have Redfin. We have Zillow. We can see what the land is selling for in a particular neighborhood. And we know if it's selling for $100,000 a lot, and if I offer $61,000 a lot, you know, there's plenty of room for me to make money on that land deal. Maybe I don't have any money. Maybe someone listening to this is like, man, I don't have, I don't have the money right now to buy the land. Well, what if I got that land under contract for 61000 and I call one of those builders that's buying directly in the area. You can see who's buying one of those builders and say, hey, uh, Toll Brothers, I see you're buying land for you know, $95,000 a lot. What if I sold this one to you for eighty five? I got it under contract for 61, you know, 71, 81. That's pretty good spread. That's like $24,000 by me just selling the contract. Right. Interesting. Uh, so with these, you talked about before about uh, having an exit strategy of really putting it on terms and, uh, you know, really seller financing the properties. Are you doing that as well for uh, infill lots or are you doing that mainly for, let's say, more rural lots? Yeah, it works really, really well in the rural lots. I'll do it on any one of them I can. Not all of them does it work out that way. Uh, depends. Do I have my own cash into that deal? Is it a lender's cash? How quickly do they want their cash back? It all depends. Like, uh, for instance, um, I have a land deal really close to um, Daytona Beach in the Daytona Beach area. Uh, five acres just sold. I bought it for 153000 I do have a lender on that one. She lent me like 65000 on it. I had like whatever, the rest, 90000 or so in it. And... It sat on the market for like several months. And I'm like, man, I can't believe this land hasn't moved. And then all of a sudden, three months later, like we, we, uh, it was exactly three months. We got an offer, 25,000 down. They're going to, they, they offered 225,000 total. We paid 153 and, uh, they wanted to pay 25,000 down and have us finance them at 11% interest, uh, for the next 30 years at, um, $2,028 a month. And I said, let's do it. So I, I contacted my lender. I said, hey, do you want to keep earning interest for the next you know, couple of years on, on your money? Because I'm paying her 12% interest. How can I pay someone 12% interest and I'm, I'm only getting 11%? 
Well, I'm paying her 12% interest on 65,000, which is 600 a month or so. Mm-hmm. And I am getting 11% interest on 200,000 on a 30 year mortgage. So she said, sure. Yeah, we can do it for another year. Um, so I got an, oh, basically a year to pay her that 65,000 back. And um, some people might be thinking, well, what if I don't get it in a year? You know, we'll just do another land deal and pay for that one. But, uh, I'm, I'm in the volume game. Like I don't want land sitting. Uh, we just sold six lots, uh, for cash in, uh, really close to Orlando, Florida. They, they were listed at 55,000 each. We sold them all for 35,000 each. And my realtor's like, are you sure? Like you want to sell them? I was like, yeah, we're going to make $70,000 profit because we bought them for a hundred and I think 30. We sold them for 210. Like, Let's just take the profit and go to the next one. How did you find those, uh, those people that want to sell that? So I have a very unique strategy. It's uh, I go in and I find demand. I want to see demand because I never want to get a piece. So I used to buy that land in the middle of nowhere for years. And I'd have to work like heck to sell it. I would sell it on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, Facebook buy-sell groups. I put signs out. This is when I lived in Colorado Springs. Um, I would do like Facebook ads and I paid Facebook a lot of money. Don't pay them money. Uh, it didn't work for me. Um, but anyhow, I was working like crazy to get this sold. I had two virtual assistants, two people answering the phones all day long, creating notes. And I was like, there's gotta be a better way. So I started going in areas where it was like hyper demand. Like, like I see five or six parcels of land selling in a week in a, in an area. I'm like, okay, what if I figure out what they're selling for? All right, they're selling for about $1,000 a square foot. I'm just making this number up. And I go in and offer $500 a square foot. I know that if I, if one of these people sign this purchase agreement that I just mailed them, I'm going to have a deal. Um, so I use a program. Of, if anybody wants access to the program, just go to thelandsharks.com forward slash CRM, as in customer relationship manager. But I use a program that sends those out every day for me. Uh, I try and send out about 500 a week, 500 letters a week. And on average, every 1,100 that I send out, I get one back sign that's going to make me at least $10,000 before we sell or finance it. Wow, fantastic. Do you have money sitting in the stock market and you're worried about it? Or worse, you have money sitting at the bank, not keeping up with inflation? My name is Charles Carrillo, founder and managing partner of Harborside Partners. And since 2006, I've been investing my money and my family's money into income-producing properties. These are real assets, real properties with real addresses that produce real cash flow. At Harborside Partners, we provide passive investors who love real estate with a turnkey investing solution. If you want to put your money to work in real estate but can't find deals, don't have the time to get funding, and the last thing that productive people want to do is manage real estate. We find the deals, we fund the deals, and we manage the tenants, the termites, and the properties. Partner with us at investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. Go to investwithharborside.com. If you love real estate, you like the idea of passive income, and believe that income-producing properties will appreciate over time, go to investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. Yeah. And then, so when you're finding these land buyers, you're going through, like you said before, it's easier to find the developers. Um, are there any other kind of um, strategies you've used that's successful for finding land buyers that maybe aren't your toll brothers or larger developers? Oh yeah. The real estate agents, when they list this land, um, you know, that's, that opens it up to the world. Um, and in conjunction to that, 
signs. Signs are incredible. Yeah. You know, four acres, will finance, phone number. Like that's going to get your phone ringing off the hook. I, I recommend putting them at red lights and stop signs, main intersections, on and off ramps of, of interstates. Uh, that's how we get buyers. Um, again, Facebook marketplace, Facebook buy, sell groups. Who wants to land more than anybody else? The neighbor usually. Yeah, that's true. So we send them neighbor letters. Um, we, we will text the neighbors. Uh, there, there's a buyer for every piece of land. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's funny because I live in Florida and if I'm going across east to west on like 60 or 70 and you're going like in the middle of nowhere and there's like the signs out there, they're like billboards almost. They're like, be a man, buy land. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, yep, and exactly. like yep, so exactly they're the out there. Oh, that's the guy. So yeah, he's out yep. there selling land. Yeah. So what happens if uh, you told me before about one issue or like one delay you had, I guess, in selling property, I don't know the way to word it. And uh, what happens if you're unable to sell a piece of land? I mean, what other kind of... I mean, obviously, you probably try to sell it outright. Um, possibly, maybe you put on terms, kind of whatever you can get. Um, what other strategies do you have of properties not selling other than maybe just lowering the price? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've been doing land specifically for seven years now. There's never been a piece of land that I couldn't sell. Um, and I'll give you a couple ways. Like, I'm buying um, a couple parcels of land uh, by Titusville. So now that I know you're a Florida, Florida guy, um, I'm buying four parcels of land. And it almost looks like they're landlocked. And I know if I list them the way they are, they probably will sit for a while. Um, but if you <clears throat> pay a, um, a brush clearing guy, like we call them mulchers, to just go in and mulch the roads so people can see where the lots are at, as well as do a perimeter line around all four of those lots, I should be able to sell them quicker because now I can get drone photos uh, to really showcase what's there. Um, now we're not going to cut any trees down, but we're going to kind of, you know, just like mulch, like, cause in Florida, like there's so many vines and like, God bless the pioneers of Florida. Like I, before roads, like I, I got so scratched up looking at this land. And, and a lot of times I don't even go look at the land, but I wanted to see where these roads were at. So I was like, I didn't want to get stuck with this land. It seems like a really good deal, but it could not be a good deal. But, um, so they're going to go and clear that. So that's one way. It's just like a little bit of clearing to show people where it's at. Because uh, you want to make it easy. Like, not everyone's going to be crazy like me and go get scratched up and walk through a ditch to, to get to the land. And you don't have to do that to be a land investor. I just, like, sometimes you need to go look or send somebody, a land specialist, real estate agent, to go look at it. Um, drone photos, really good. Like, video, really good. Pictures, really good. Um, ways to get land sold that won't move seller financing. Seller financing with signs. Um, I had a, I had a couple lots in Palm Bay, Florida, just sitting. It's like, what in the world are these things? Like, and I say sitting, like they sat for almost forty five days. Like, I want to like thirty days, get her done now, like type thing, get it sold. Um, They're just sitting. So I don't live far from Palm Bay, so I went and looked. I was like, there's houses going up everywhere. A lot of like a lot of Spanish speaking Latino people that are building these houses. I was like, what if I just look on Google? translate and figure out how to write in Spanish, you know, <laughs> land for sale will finance $2.99 a month. Uh, well, someone saw those signs and found out we had like six lots and bought them all for us for cash, like within a week. There it is. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it sounds like you use a lot of strategies that might also be used in like maybe wholesaling a property, how you're finding some of the buyers. Um, you're doing like hotels almost like where you're prepping the property a little bit and then providing it a little cleaner product to the end buyer. So that's a lot of, is, is that true? How you're kind of putting together strategies like that? 
Yeah, I generally don't clear the land very often, okay. um, and I've never cleared a whole parcel of land. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know a lot about wholesaling houses. I've flipped probably about fifty houses. Um, no, I really don't do much to the land. I really just try and showcase it. It's all about guerrilla marketing um, because, like someone told me one time, you know, it's not who has the best land; it's he who markets the land the best. Hmm. True. True. Very nice. So if you, you scaled your business and um, when you're getting more time with you and your family, and I mean, what does your team look like today to be able to send out 500 per week and have all your KPIs where you know you're making $10,000 plus yeah. and every 1,100 envelopes? Yeah, I've went up and I've went down. Like um, two years ago, we had around 15 team members, uh, the office, and uh, things changed a little bit. Like I didn't... I wasn't liking the direction of that. I didn't get into the land business to get rich. I really just wanted it to pl- replace my income that I was making in the military and have lifestyle freedom. Uh, well, when you, there's things called Parkinson's law. When you get a bunch of time on your hands, uh, the task will basically expand. It's like, you know, I give you an assignment tonight. You got to write 1400 pages, like, or whatever, 14,000 words. You're going to get it done. But if I gave it to you six months ago, it's going to turn into a six month task. Um, so I was scaling and building and like, let's get to $100,000 a month in land payments. Well, you don't really need that. And uh, I was turning into daddy daycare, basically. I was babysitting, like taking 1,000 phone calls a day. It felt like I wasn't really taking that many. And my wife's like, man, you're not a happy person. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm always happy. <laughs> like, and she's like, no, you're just, you're raging lunatic like and we were also flipping houses and building a couple i'm just like this is nuts and uh so we we rented out the office laid off pretty much everybody uh, i now have one part-time acquisition manager one uh part-time assistant one part-time accountant and that's it oh and how, how are you when you're putting it together i mean when you're scaling i imagine when you're having your for us it's easier when we have passive income you know what i mean you have deals you have income coming in, it's much easier to scale because you have that prediction of recurring revenue. Has that been true for you as well as you've been growing? So you're able to bring team members on and know that you're going to be, you know, you'll have income to cover that. You're not just like hiring and firing, hiring and firing. Absolutely. And the way I always brought team members on, I looked at them as they're a 3x investment. If I bring you on and I'm paying you $20 an hour, you should, you should bring in the company at least $60 an hour. Um, you know, obviously my, my accountant is paid salary and my, um, my assistants, uh, paid salary, but my acquisition manager, he helps me with dispositions as well. Acquisition is the buying disposition is the selling, but he's paid by performance. Like he, if he doesn't go out and kill, he doesn't eat basically. <laughs> um, you know, and it's just, he's a, he's a young engineer. Uh, he's doing very, very, very well with his current engineering job. Um, I used to also be a firm believer is like, you know, my acquisition, my dispositions, they only work for, for my company. Um, that's changed as well. Now my assistant, my, my accountant, they only work for my company, my three companies, but, uh, my acquisition manager, like he's just a young, young engineer and he's got a lot of time on his hands. He's very smart and he wants to make money in real estate as well. Um, and I'm fine with that. We do several deals a month and, and they're decent deals. So Brent, uh, what are some common mistakes that you've, you see real estate investors or land investors in particular make over your years? Land investors, I'll tell you, um, they do a bunch of land deals 
you know, for a couple of years and they do what's called the snowball effect. You know, they come into this with nothing. And then a year later, they got a million dollars of their own cash into a couple land deals and things slow down. And it's like, holy crap, all my money is tied up into these land deals where I say you do a combination of them, assign a few. So basically sell your contract, flip a few of them to build your cash up and seller finance as many as you can get some payments coming in because that's where the, the, the real money's made. And then the fourth one is use other people's money to do it. You know, use other like surgeons and, and dentists and, you know, tech guys and engineers that just have 50 or a hundred thousand dollars cash sitting around that want to grow that money. And I pay them anywhere from eight to 13% on their money. And it allows me to build up uh, cash reserves over here because no one can argue with this. If a company has cash, they are going to be around for a while. But if a company has a lot of debt and no cash, they're not going to be around very long. So when you started, how did you find land investors? Because I imagine it's much easier now for you to find land investors, private money lenders, let's say, to invest into your deals. Um, how did you do it when you started without much private of a track lenders? record? Yeah. You know what? I actually just started working with private lenders about a year ago. I only used to work with hard money lenders. Um, I'll tell you how I find them now is I share what I'm doing. I'm just become, I've become a generous expert. When people ask me like, how do you do these land deals? I say, with well, people just like you, Charles, what do you mean? Well, you know, I find the land deal. It's usually like 50 cents on the dollar. If it's worth a hundred thousand. I buy it for 50,000. I use my neighbor, Bob's money. He's like a, he's an eye doctor. He's an optometrist. He makes a, a you know, 8% on his 50 grand continuously and it's secured by real estate. Uh, let me know if you ever want to talk about it. And I walk away and we might talk about it again. We might not. And it's like, I used to be afraid to like borrow other people's money to do land deals. And I just paid one of my, my executive assistant is one of my lenders. Um, it's funny. She texted me today. Her parents want to lend on land deals as well, which I'm honored. Um, but Kelly, she's going to make like six grand this, this year in interest on her, her funds that she's got invested into a deal. Nice. That's fantastic. So what are some of the main um, factors that have uh, contributed to your success over the years, Brent? Man, um, the main factors is just taking action. Just taking action immediately. Like if I wouldn't have taken action that evening on listening to that podcast about that guy flipping land, I'd probably still be in the military very unhappy listening to the four-hour work week thinking, my God, why doesn't this work for me? <laughs> because you got to take action. That's the main thing. Like I have all these books on the bookshelf next to me. Have I read them all? No, no way. I love to buy books, by the way. Um, but I've taken action on a lot of it. I do try. And, you know, I think that books should be smaller and shorter and bigger, bigger font and more pictures so we can just take action. Like that's how the Landsharks community and the course is set up. It's like baby steps. Every day you get a win. Yeah, that's great. That's a great way of doing it. So you, you do what you know today to do to, uh, you know, get you closer to your future goal. But you got to do something today. And, most people are just like preparing, 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 or the perfectionist, and it's just nothing happens. Yeah. No, go like, what, what's that Ender's game? Uh, how do you know they're ready? Well, they go when they're ready enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're ready enough today. Like God gives you the answers to get through today. Tomorrow's answers will come tomorrow. So, well, thank you so much, Brent. How can our listeners learn more about you, your coaching, and your land investing business? 
Yeah, you can go to thelandsharks.com. I'd love to talk to anybody that wants to talk about land investing, but uh, you got to be serious. Like, don't be don't be beating around the bush. If don't call me or, or schedule a call unless you're serious and you want to make some money in land right now. Um, I'm on all the social channels. Brent L. Bowers, and yes, the L stands for land. I had my middle name changed. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Brent. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on and learn about your whole land investing strategy and business and looking forward to connecting with you here in the near future. God bless, Charles. Thank you. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.